you're here with us today. So thankful that you could join us. Uh, this is our simple church uh, that we have every single month. And uh, as a church family, uh, we've grown to love it. We love the, um, the unity that we have. We love the intimacy that it provides that we can have just the time to draw everything in. Um, we, we like to take away the, the big stage and the lights and sometimes the things that um, we can get distracted by and just really have some time alone with God and really have that focused intimacy with Him. And um, as a church, that's something that's really grown close to our hearts. So um, if this is your first time, we're so um, thankful that you're here today. Welcome um, to Hill City Church. Uh, if you want to um, read the lyrics, they're in the uh, booklet that you got when you came in, or you can read them on the uh, website, which is myhillcity.org, um, and it's all there for you. I'm going to pray, and we're going to get started today. God, we just thank you so much for today. We just worship you, God. Everything that um, has got us to this point, God, to, to get us to church today, Lord, I pray that we would just realize the real reason, God, the real reason why we stepped in here today, God. It's not a means to an end. It's not a means to have a check mark and um, just be here, God, for attendance. And it's not just a place to say that you are here, God, but it's a place to meet with you. So I pray that we would meet with you today, that we would be challenged, God, by your spirit to grow closer to you and just worship you with everything that we have and to learn new things, God, to know more about you and about your son. We thank you and we praise you and we welcome you here today. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. You're more than welcome to stand with us today. If you want to sit, if you want to walk around, do whatever you want to do to, to get closer with him.
There's no goodness in this earth that could ever compare to the gift of who you are and who your son is. God, the life that we can have through him, through the sacrifice that he gave, that we can have relationship with you, God. the goodness that makes everything work out for our lives. God, we just take a moment, we take a moment out of our time just to focus on you right now, Lord. To focus on your presence, to focus on you. We seek, God, your face, not your hand, not what you can do, but just for who you are.
Just lift up the name of Jesus. You're wonderful. think about him sometimes we don't think we just talk just take a moment just to think about who 
Jesus is and what he deserves in your life and if you are a Christian you understand the salvation you receive and if you're not this is just a time for us to just give our best to Christ who has saved us has redeemed our soul who have saved our marriages saved our health there's so many things that God has done in our lives and it is a moment that we just say thank you God you are wonderful you're beautiful you're glorious man put your hands together just for a moment just lift them up. Thank you, Lord God. You're wonderful. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You're glorious, God, in this place. You are the guest of honor, Lord God. There is no other reason that we're here. You are the main thing, Lord God. We believe that your word brings life, Lord God. That the name of Jesus, that there is power in your name. As we honor you and we lift you up, Lord God, it's like lifting away the burdens of our life, God. Because you're that mighty, you're that good. And here in your presence, Lord God, we are totally undone. All the weights of our lives can fall off, Lord God, in this moment. So we believe, yes, you're wonderful, Lord God. Yes, you're beautiful, Lord God. Yes, you're glorious, Lord God. Lord God, in every way, Lord God. Heavenly Father, I pray today, Lord God, you be with us, Lord God. Thank you for this time of worship, Lord God. Thank you for this time of singing. Thank you for this time of just focusing, Lord, changing the lens, Lord God, and bringing you close, Lord God, because you were never far away. It was just our view, Lord God change our view. You were nice and close, Lord God. And today I pray that you would open up your word and absolutely change our lives today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen, amen. Thank you guys. Thank you guys. You guys can be seated. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Oh, let's, let's do better. Good morning. How are you guys doing? All right. All right, we like, to, we like to hoop and holler. We like it. We like it. I believe there has to be passion to your faith. Faith is passionate. It's passionate. It's something deep within you where you connect with God and you know that you are connected to the creator of the world, the almighty. And it's just this crazy moment of faith. And it's, we call this simple church where we sit in a circle and stare at each other and sing songs and listen to the word of God. We make it simple. It started when we uh, did something called... Um, the secret church. All across the world, there's people that are meeting in small places, in, in huts, and they're just filling it with as many people as possible, just like the days of Jesus when, they, when he, there was that one moment when the friends were trying to get into the front door and just trying to get a glimpse of Jesus or Zacchaeus up a tree. It was so crowded. And in the places of this world, we have simple church where they don't have, maybe they don't have all the electronics and we, and we use it, but it's just our voices and just coming together with Christ and wanting to hear the word of God. It's just simple. We, 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 we complicate what church is. And church is just the people of God coming to worship and hear the word of God so they can be changed by God so they can change their world. That's it. And you can't miss the last part. You've got to change your world. You can't just receive from God and stop there. It doesn't make sense. It can't end with you. Salvation cannot end with you. The grace of God cannot end with you. The words of God cannot end with you. It is so that you could be a flow, uh, an outlet of what God is doing. And sometimes we miss it. We're like, God, give me some more. And it, it feels good. It feels good to be in God's goodness when God flows. We're like, oh, I want more of that. I want more of your presence. And God's like, you got enough. You got enough of the word of God in you. You got enough of my presence. When will it flow from you uh, to, to, into you to flow through you? At some point, you got to do it. You got to do it. So today, as the guys come forward, I just want to greet you. My name is John, 
And I am so glad you guys are here for our simple church. And we, this is going to be a time of giving. And more than anything else, I want to point to Matthew 6, 33, as I fix this. Yeah. We, uh, let's, Matthew 6, 33, where it says, seek first the kingdom of God. It just is saying set apart something different for God. There's things that we set apart in our life, and I don't know if you've ever saved up and you had a, so you set apart a bank account and you were really putting in and you're like, oh, I'm so focused on getting this house, getting this car, getting this tour, getting whatever. But I, in that same way of where we set apart something, that's the word holy. The word holy actually means set apart, and God says, be holy for I am holy. And, and what, what you're doing in your life, you're setting apart God in a different place than everything else. It's at a higher place. And in our giving and our living and our parenting, do you know that your parenting is worship to God? The way you work. Some of us, we think work is separate from our, our uh, you know, that's my work life and this is my, this is my church life. They're not separate. This is my spiritual life. Can you imagine if you went to Jesus and, you know, I've, we talked about this. Jesus, how's your spiritual life? Jesus would be like, what? Yeah, Jesus, how's your spiritual life going? And Jesus would tell you, you mean my real life? Sometimes we do church, we're like, this is my spiritual life, and this is my real life. Jesus would say, you mean my real life? How's your real life? He doesn't say, how's your spiritual life? So I'm just saying, man, it is one and the same. And, and so know that all, in all those areas, it's worship unto God. So let's give, and we're going to move into the word, and we're excited for what God has for us. And let's pray. Heavenly Father, I know we prayed and we sang songs and we worshiped you, Lord God. But I believe that, Lord, we worship you also in our giving and in our living and what we release in our lives. I pray, let it not stop with us, Lord God. If we, uh, you have blessed us financially, let us release that. If you have blessed us with gifts of, uh, of smarts or whatever other gifts that we have in our lives, let us not keep that to ourselves. But let us release it to, to you, God, so that people would see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. And that's what it means to be a city on a hill, Lord God. That's what Hill City stands for, that they would see our lives and glorify you in heaven because we really believe it cannot end with us, Lord God. So I pray today you prepare our hearts, minds, and lives, God, and raise up our passion meter, God, like we were at a Bronco game and Peyton Manning is back on the helm, Lord God. Just raise it up, Lord. Change our mindset. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I only say that because, man, ooh, you've, you felt it when I said it. You're like, Simeon? He's all right. We, we, we have to pretend to like him, right? You guys are, you're wrong, John. You're a 49er fan. We can't listen to you. You like Colin Kaepernick. But I'm just telling you, let, just, man, just like God, just know that God is here. He's on the throne. He's wanting to speak to our hearts, and, uh, and just get ready for that. Get ready for that. Um, and we've been going through the book of Mark. So uh, for weeks, we, we are on the third week in the book of Mark, and we are only on chapter, I mean, verse 12 of, of, the, first, uh, of the first chapter. So it's telling you that we are is going good. It's going good. But uh, today, uh, as we are in Mark chapter 1, all right? And we're going to continue, but we are going to speak about what Jesus went through. And uh, before we begin, how many of you guys remember the first time you went swimming? Like, you, you might have been three or four years old, or maybe you guys are like, I don't know. We swam all the time. Uh, and some of you guys are like, you know, you guys are like fish. You grew up in the water, right? 
But I remember my first time because it was absolutely unforgettable. And you can imagine why. I, was, I remember being three or four years old, and we were, at, I was in, we were in Korea, right? And I had, like, this beautiful, like, fishing hat on, this Korean fishing hat-looking thing. And we were, uh, we were by the coast, and this is what Koreans do. They take their church to the coast, and they have water time. And I don't know if you've, uh, you, 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 if you've ever seen uh, my baby pictures. You see us, like, hanging out at the water, right? And I was looking all cute, and it was an epic day. It was all sunny. It was, it was a beautiful day. Then in one moment, everything changed. This lame Korean guy pushed, it thought it was a good idea to push my brother and I into the deep end of the water. So there we go. Three, first time in the pool, three or four years old. We are in the deep end of the water. No one's around. Pretty awesome. I was like, I wish I could see that guy again. I'd punch him in the face, right? Go you know, back to the future just to punch a lame Korean guy in the face, right? But I, I, I remember the moment, and it's, it's one of those unforgettable moments if you've ever, like, faced drowning, right? You're in pure panic, and I was just suffocating in liquid suffocation, right? I was just drinking it all in because I didn't know any better, and I was just drinking it all in, and I, I felt like we were under there forever as I was floundering around and going nuts, and finally, my mom comes over and picks us up out of the water and puts us up to the shore, and I was like, my hero, right? Where's this guy? Who pushed us in? We, did, we were just coughing for the next, like, 20 minutes of getting water out of our lungs. I've ne- I don't know if you've ever had a moment. Anyone, like, face drowning? That's not a good, anyone face drowning. Anyone face drowning before? Yeah, right there, yeah. Not fun. Not fun. That's why we take our kids to the wreck and we teach them how to swim, right? That's what we did. And, and, and so, and, and it's so crazy. It's sink or swim when you're pushed into the deep end of the water. It is. And this is our message today. That's the message that I want to speak to you. It's called sink or swim. Because this was what was happening to Jesus. So you see, back in Mark, if you read in Mark, we see Jesus coming out of the water after baptism from John the Baptist. And this is Mark chapter 1. And he's coming out of the water, and he's been baptized by John. And it says the heavens tore open, and the Spirit descended like the dove, and the Father speaks from heaven. This is my Son, whom I love, who I delight in. I am so well pleased. And you see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity at work in one place. It's a glorious moment of God. And we talked about last week how the Trinity works, how the, how the Father lifts up the Son, and the Son glorifies the Father, and the Spirit descends on the Son. And it's this beautiful dance of life, how the Trinity is always in community, that God in of himself is three but one, and in perfect community in himself. And it's something that is this it's beyond how we can comprehend God because we comprehend, we, in our world, everything is separate. Like, like uh, the, I am separate from Tino and Tino separate from Candace. But in God's world, he doesn't live in our world. It, see, this is why I tell you that if you're going to make up a religion, this is like the worst idea. Like the Trinity, like really God? Like no one's going to get it. I know. That's why he made it that way. If you were going to make up something, you would not make up that. Just let me tell you, that's not how you would go about how to make up God. So, but that's how God is because that's who he is. He's three persons in one, and he's all in community and love with one 
And, and we talked about this. So if you missed the Trinity last week, please catch up. Very important for your theology, for your faith. Uh, but it was this glorious moment. And it says in, uh, right after that Jesus, after this glorious moment, immediately Jesus was pushed into the deep waters. And we're going to read Mark 1, 12 to 13. It says, the Spirit then compelled Jesus to go into the wilderness where he was tempted by Satan for 40 days. And he was out among the wild animals and the angels at the end took care of him. The word compelled in the Greek is ek, ekbalo, which means to push, to cast. It is, it's a forceful movement. So the spirit took Jesus and forced him into the wilderness. It's, it's, it forced him. Think about that. This awesome moment, then the spirit of God leads Jesus into wilderness be tempted in the wilderness no warning no preparation no floaties it's like sink or swim into wilderness boot camp right baptism by fire to be tempted by satan we might think what's wrong with god is he an angry teenage girl that one day he loves you. He's like, oh, you're so good, Jesus. I love you so much. You're doing so great. And the next day he's like, oh, you're going into the wilderness. You're going to get tempted for 40 days. You're not going to eat nothing. And it's going to be the worst time for you. You're like, God, why are you doing that? No, no, no. God has a plan. He is not irrational. He has a purpose. And, a, and, and, and this is all. The temptation itself, the hardship itself is part of the purpose and part of our plan as well. See, Mark doesn't do details because he's totally like a dude who's writing shorthand. He's like, all right, two things about wilderness, next. He's like, baptism, next. He, that's how he writes. But in Matthew, Matthew, in Matthew 4, Jesus is led to the wilderness to be tempted, tested. And is, and is in the weakest moments after the 40 days, during the 40 days of fasting, Satan attacks Jesus, trying to take Jesus out of alignment with God. That's the purpose of why Satan tempts us, because it tempts Christ. He's trying to take Christ out of alignment with God's plan, because they're in perfect unity. And if you can take Jesus out, and He says, "Turn those bread, turn that bread into sto- uh, turn those stones into bread," like feed yourself, but that wasn't the plan of God. So He's trying to trying to attack Jesus in His weak points. He's like, Jesus, you don't even need to live this rest of life right now. I can give you this world if you bow down to me. Taking Jesus out of alignment to His purpose. And that's how temptation works. It, it's, temptation is not something crazy, like something you never thought of. It's the very things that you deal with, the deep things that you deal with. And those were the things that Jesus was dealing with, his hunger, his purpose, the things he knew he had to ta- go forward to stop Jesus from completing his walk to the cross, his destiny. He's like, he was telling Jesus, you don't need to go through with this. You don't need to do it. I can stop it all right now. And the promises, Satan will always overpromise and underdeliver. Always. It's going to be, it, it, it will be filled with lies. And temptation and trials are not a new thing. This is what Satan does from the very beginning. And if you don't catch it, Mark is taking us back to, to the creation moment of Adam when he was tempted. Think about this. Adam is in the wilderness of Eden and in communion with God, in the dance, in the flow with God, and here comes Satan to tempt Adam, right? And now here's Jesus in the recreation of man. Jesus is called the second Adam, right? He's in the wilderness as well. He's in community with God in the dance, and once again, Satan comes to tempt Jesus. Think about this. 
the first Adam failed by eating the, of the tree, in, and in his disobedience, it brought death to all. The second Adam, Jesus, triumphed by getting up on that tree with his obedience, and that brought life. So he is completing what Adam could not complete. And sometimes we miss what Jesus is doing. He is recreating creation, and he is setting us back into communion with God. And instead of taking from that tree that he shouldn't have taken from, he goes and does what Adam could not do and places himself on that tree. This is a really deep moment in the Bible, and we could miss it, and I've missed it so many times. And this time I'm studying way more. I'm like, whoa, same temptation, same luring. Same things that Adam, he said, he said to Adam, you could be God. He says to Jesus, I'll give you this world. You could be God of this world. Same temptation. But Jesus gets on that tree and brings life through his triumph and obedience. Amen. Restoring the plan, restoring the dance, restoring the design, the purpose. And this is not only happening for Adam and Jesus. This happening in our lives too. The battle is real. The hope is it's, it's either life or death or hope or despair, power or weakness, purpose or emptiness. In this moment, we all are tempted. We all will be tempted. And it's not something we don't deal with. It will always be something we do deal with. Always. Every time. Every time. So if you deal with depression, that's exactly where he'll hit you. If you deal with pride, that's where he's going to go after you. Whatever your weakness is and in your weak moments, that's where he's coming after and, and in those moments, we can either be our own God and try to save ourselves or trust God in the deep waters to save us, that he's with us. And he's been there before. That's why we look to Jesus. That's why we hold on to Jesus. That's why we trust Jesus. This is beautiful, that he has a purpose for our deep waters, that he has a purpose for our wilderness. You guys still with me? So James, the brother of Jesus, he extends what uh, trials and temptations go in James chapter 1, verse 2 to 5, all right? He says, consider it pure joy. And this is, he's crazy. James is crazy. He's wild. All his life, he made fun of Jesus, and finally, he saw Jesus resurrect and come back, and he freaked out, and he's like, I'm, I'm all in, Jesus, all right? Anytime you can convince your little brother that you are God, you have done something great, right? Because just imagine telling, telling like, your sister or, like, I'm God. Like, it's never going to work. So finally, Jesus convinces James, and James is all in. He is not held back, and he says these words, consider it, and this is the beginning of his writing, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. He's saying when you look at your trials, we can look at it and say, why, God, or we can say, oh, man, why, God, like, take it. Let's do it. Let's do it. It's a different momentum. Let perseverance finish its work. Don't jump out of it too quickly so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. Go to God who gives generously without finding fault, and it will be given to you. So James here is saying the tension is good. I know. Most of us were like, the tension is bad. I don't like tension. I don't like this. I don't like the way. Tension is bad. Like, I don't like the tension. I don't want, I don't want change. We don't like change. Who likes change? Not many of us, like, right? Some of us. Some of us, like, want to jump in. Who hates change, right? Julie, for sure. No, I'm just kidding. 
But she's going through a lot of change right now, and it's good. We're growing through it. We're growing through it. There's purpose in your tension. There is in your temptation and your trials to wake you and take you to your purpose. That's what trials and temptations do. They wake you to take you to your purpose. When life is easy and everything is going your way, let me tell you one thing for sure. You aren't growing. You aren't growing. You get soft. And I want to talk to the Christians here because some of us, we have gotten too soft. Too soft. We used to really take God at his word. We used to really believe that we were answers to people's prayers. We used to believe our lives did not belong to us. We used to think that nothing was impossible for God, that life was not about reaching death safely, but we got soft. We got soft. And this is a scary place to be when you're soft because Satan doesn't need to attack you when you're soft because you're soft. You're soft. You're not even expecting it. You're like, I'm good with easy road. But the crazy part of what James says, and this is for sure, trials will come when you're soft or when you're ready. Trials will come. It's not if it'll come, it's when they come. For some of us, this trial thing is all conceptual. You're like, yeah, one day hardships will come. I understand that. I'll be ready. You know, we say, and, and, and the younger you are, the more you say that. The older you are, you're like, ugh, this trials will come, right? It's not conceptual. Others of you, you are in the eye of the storm, and you're like, when will this stop? When you, you feel like you got sucker punched, and all the wind got knocked out of you. I don't know if you've ever been sucker punched, and you're like, Bleh! and you're just trying. Have you ever lost your wind? When, when my brother used to punch me, man, I, when he would get me right, right here, I'd lose my wind, and I'd be like, you can't cry. You're just like, I get you. <laughs> and if you've ever been sucker punched, it is the worst sort of feeling. And some of you, you feel like that's where you are right now. And I don't care how Christian you are and how much K-love you listen to. I don't care how big your Jesus sticker is on the back of your family van. All right? The Bible is clear. Trials will come. Pain will come. You will get betrayed. Sickness will come to those we love. We will face death. We will grow weary. We will lose heart. But by the grace of God, we stand here today. But by the grace of God, we are no better than anyone else. It is only by his grace we are standing I'm telling you, sometimes we can get on a high horse and we can think, we're, I'm, I'm better than you. I'm just better than you, Isaac. I just I memorize more scripture than you. I'm just, uh, that's, how, that's how it is. I'm like, I'm like a machine gun of the Bible, right? You're like, I'm just, you know, at some point you get sucker punched, you fall down, and you find out something about yourself that you are one decision away from ruining your life. Everyone is. You think you, you can't be knocked out. I'm telling you, you are one decision away from wrecking yourself. That's how close we are. Even though we think we're, we're not on the edge, I'm telling you, we are. We are. The older you get, the more you get it. Because when you're young, you just don't know. You haven't bled yet. Right? But as you age, you face battles, you survive storms, you pass addictions, you 
past loss, you start to get it. And what I want to do today is show you the way Christians must think or must learn to think. We need to change our approach, our attitude, and we need to posture up. Say posture up. Have you, has anyone ever been bullied before? You're like, I, I, I certainly have. You know, I've been on both sides of that. Anyone been bullied? Right? You, you know when, like, someone's going to, you, you know when it's about to go down when you've been bullied, right? Like, you, you I, I, this is just me. I used to get jumped a lot, like, in, in California. I was like, dang it, they're going to totally jump me. I can't run out of this train fast enough. They're going to get me. So you prepare. You're, you're ready to fight. You're like, all right, I, I'm ready to block and give them some kung fu to the throat, right? You, you're just ready. You start posturing up. Adrenaline starts to flow through you. You start thinking, what am I going to do? But you're all dialed in. You're alert and you're ready. And James is telling us, posture up posture up the wilderness is coming and you you just man let's get ready to rumble right that's that's the set mind so i want to teach you two things number one trials lead to maturity trials lead to maturity James 1, 4 says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If you take out the spiritual in everyday life, how do you, how do you mature? How do you mature? How do you mature at your job? How do you mature? How do you learn to ride a bike? How do you learn to walk? The only way I know, and you, you watch your kids, do you stumble and you fall and you fail, you scrape your knees, and, and, and that's how you learn to mature. There's a lot of fumbling going on, right? And if this is true about life, how does that change for our spiritual lives? Because I told you, they're one and the same, right? There's no magic prayers. There's, there's, some, there's no holy water like, oh, now it's going to be all good. It's not church attendance. It's not even Bible studies, right? I go to enough Bible studies, things are going to be so easy. And that's not how it works. We confuse maturity with information. As long as I know the information of, of the Bible, then I won't face this. And that's totally crazy. I know some stuff, so I'm mature. I can tell you, we think maturity is information, I don't know how that became what it became, but I'm telling you, maturity is not information. I, I can tell you, oh, I know some stuff about Jesus, so I'm good. Uh, and Jesus said this, if you love me, memorize more verses. No, he didn't say that. He says, if you love me, obey my commands. Do what I do. Obey me. Put God first. Love your enemies. Christians, ooh, Love your neighbors. Love your enemies. John, it's hard. It's supposed to be. It's supposed to be. Man, give to those who ask from you. I don't like doing that. I don't care. We're supposed to be Christians first. Serve. Lay down your life for one another. You know why the Christian church made such an impact? They were a group of, what, 100 people in the beginning, and then one day Caesar became a Christian because the Christian movement was so strong. You think that happened because they got really popular and they, they started to go to the different homes and knocked on your door? Have you ever thought about being a Christian, voting Christian today? No, that's not how it happens. They lived differently. They actually lived differently. Do you know when Christianity went just buck wild in, the, in, in Europe and in, in the Roman uh, Empire is when the plagues came. Every plague that came 
Christians became, that's when hospitals actually became places. They became Christian hospitals where they would take care of people and with sacrificing their own lives to nurse people back to health if they could. And people would look at them and they say, why? And, and the, the love of God, because they were so different, start, it started changing history. I'm telling you, the Christian story is one of the worst stories ever about, like, a carpenter being God. Like, if you're going to make up something, that's a bad idea, right? And then if you're going to pick some awesome people, like picking disciples who are fishermen and murderers and, like, tax collectors, another bad idea. Jesus is like, I'm going to do it the most opposite way to sh show you that what is going on, this is going to change the world. And guess what? It did. It did. And now we, we, we have Christianity. We understand it. We're like, I see what they did. It's so awesome. And then we don't do what they do. And it's just, it's mind-blowing. This is what we're called to do. We're supposed to live a totally different kind of life that really believes that our lives were made so we could pour out even to the cost of our life. Even when it's hard for us. That's what it means to obey Christ. I remember, if, I don't know if you've ever gone through uh, pain, like physical pain, right? I, I, I know ladies, you gave, if you gave birth, you win, all right? You win. Kate, you win, all right? <laughs> But I, I love going backpacking, and I, I love watching people going through the struggle. Back If you've never been backpacking, it's when you put all your stuff together and you climb a mountain, and you hike. Last week, uh, Ray, I, uh, myself, and Ray, and Paul, uh, we hiked 22 miles, and uh, most, of that, uh, most of that was with our backpack, like 40 to 50 pounds. And if you don't know what 40 to 50 pounds feels like going up to 13,000 feet, it's awful. For the first hour, it just feels like death on your shoulder. <laughs> and you're like, why are we doing this? And I love watching people go through pain. I, I don't know. That's just so weird. Yeah, I, I did it to my children, too. And they, they were crying. I was like, come on. We're almost there. And I, I, we weren't there. I totally lied. I apologize. Lord, you know my heart. Right? We're almost there. And they'd be like, okay, Dad. And continue. But it, this was an awesome story. Uh, Caleb, I'm going to point you out. The first time he went backpacking, he literally thought he was going to die. Is this true? He just came from Georgia, and Paul and Mark went with him, and they kept on taking stuff out of Caleb's pack because he could go on no further. And they were like, and they told me, and we were just at the beginning. I didn't know what to tell him. <laughs> so they're carrying most of Caleb's weight on their back, and they know what the pain feels like. See, when, we, when you don't know what the pain feels like, you feel like the pain is, is, is you, you should, this is wrong. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. But the people who have been there before, who have experienced the pain, they understand, and they can carry your weight. Think about that. They can carry your weight. Christians, that is the, we, I know that it, that's, that's backpacking. But when that's in the climb of life, when you're carrying someone else's weight, that's when strength and maturity comes. This is true about marriage. We say, you don't grow in marriage on your honeymoon, right? You don't grow there. You're sitting on the beach and you're wearing, the ladies are wearing their big hats. You don't, you don't grow in marriage wearing big hats, right? 
You, you learn when it gets hard and you're forced to grow together and to hold on to one another. In parenting, it's baptism by fire, Chase. That's right. It's baptism by fire. They're, they're quiet now. But you ain't sleeping for a while. You just not. That's how it goes. It's, it, it's hard. And those are the moments. It's crazy as parents, you masochists. Those are the moments, you remember, you're like, remember when we, we were up at 4 in the morning, we got to hold our baby? It's so crazy. Those are the moments that were so awesome because you were growing. And it's true even at work. You do what other people aren't willing to do, and now they can't do without you. You want to grow at work? Do the things that other people cannot do, and then they can't grow without you. And, th and then they'll need you. Isn't that true, Phil? They need you when you do the extra things that no one else is willing to do, and then they can't move without you because you took on the pain. You understood if I do this and take on the pain for my company, then they that they, they won't go on without you. And James is saying, don't run from it. Consider it opportunity for God to show up, to prepare you, to grow you. It's for your joy, for God's glory. And number two, trials lead us to God. James 1.5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. Go to God who gives generously with, uh, all, uh, to all, to everyone, without finding fault, and it will be given to you. And let me give you insight about you and me. When everything is going great and easy, we forget about God. That's just insight about who we are, right? We say, oh, I got this. It's because of me, my smarts, my skills. I got me here, right? I did this. And this is a peek into our own dark hearts, right? If everything is going great, we think we did it. And if everything is going bad, we think God did it. God, how dare you? Don't you know who I am, God? We start blaming God. This is unfair. We say, this is unfair. Where are you? I know I've been here before. James is, is telling us on this day, on these moments, turn to God. Run into the arms of God. He will give you wisdom. He will lead you. Trust him. He is good. Listen, God loves you so much. He's, he, is, he, he will let go of the bike. Think about that. As a father... You, you let go of the bike because they don't understand the enjoyment of biking unless you let go. Can you imagine for a, until they're like 19 years old, you're pushing them on their bike? How, how miserable would that feeling, how ridiculous if you saw a 19-year-old on a bike and mom is just running after them? How crazy would that look? And they would never understand the joys of riding a bike because you're holding on. God is willing to let go so you could scrape up and that you can, man, you can struggle so at one point you can enjoy the joys of this life that he has for you. So you can get over your fears. So we don't stay babies. So you don't stay offended in unforgiveness. So you don't stay stuck in your past. So you don't stay trapped in your fears. So you don't miss out on God's joy. He has to let go of you. God loves us enough to hurt us. And that's a hard one for us to swallow. When we might not fully understand right now, but will you trust the character of God, that he has a plan, that he's in control, even when you don't get it? And I, tell, I told you last week, God will break your hands so you let go of a thing that will kill you one day. Sometimes we hold on to something so tight, and we say, God, I'll never let go. And God is willing to break your very hands to save your life so you'll let go of the thing that is dragging you to the floor.
And I know you don't like that kind of theology. Us Americans, we don't like it, but that is the truth. That we are willing, our par- par- as parents, we are willing to discipline our children so that they don't grow up to be absolutely psycho, right? We're like, well, you need discipline so that you don't think the world just revolves around you, that you're not the center of everything. God loves us. And I saw this in my own life. And as we close today, I remember being a young Christian in Bible college. I thought I got it down. I was like, I know, I know the word of God. I've memorized stuff. I know the information. I was super religious and immature. Yet on the outside, I looked like a good Christian. I even prayed very long prayers. It was awesome. You would have loved me, right? I had such great amen timing. It was unbelievable. Amen. You, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, I knew when to say amen, like, on the spot. You're like, oh, John, your amen timing is excellent. I'm like, thank you. I've, I've practiced my amen timing, right? But God saw my heart. He saw my pride. He saw my apathy, and he knew my future, and he knew I wasn't ready. <laughs> so I had these great ideas, but I had no compassion. I had been forgiven, but I didn't understand how to give forgiveness. I don't know if you're there today. You've been forgiven, but you don't understand how to give forgiveness. So what does God do? He throws you into the deep waters. And of course, as an immature child, I fell apart in college. My faith, my ideology, my character, I was a hundred miles wide and two feet deep, shallow. I used to look down at people who fell into sin. I don't know if you've ever been there. And if you've been real church people, man, we end up there. Yet here I was, depressed, greedy, addicted, lustful. I was a train wreck, and I thought God hated me because that's, I thought that's how religion ran. Like, you do things against God, God hates you because that's how I, I ran my faith. But looking back, I find that God let me go through those dry times where I went to all the wells of life, and they were all dry. And there was nowhere that I could go. There was, and that's when I ran to God. The wilderness was love. The wilderness was grace. I just couldn't see it in the moment, but I see it now as a, it's funny. Being in this place speaking to you is crazy to me because I know who I am and God knows who I am. And I I tell you exactly who I am because I want everyone to know that God can do anything with your life. Man, you might be addicted to drugs today. You might be addicted to porn. Whatever you're going through, your marriage might be on the wreck today. But I'm telling you, it can survive. There can be grace. There is testimonies in this room of God's grace overstepping who we are. Man, and it comes through the wilderness. We finally see, I need you, God. It comes in the deep waters. And I don't know where you are today. You might be comfortable and you might feel like you're drowning, floundering without purpose, without a way out, without looking for love, looking for more. But know this, God is in the waters with us. The deep waters lead us to Jesus because we can't do it. We can't save ourselves. And that's when we find Christ. Let's stand. If God is speaking to your heart today, these are the moments where you either get prideful and we say, I still got it. I still got it. Don't worry, I got it. I got it. How long will you say, don't worry, I got it? 
Don't worry, babe. I, I got it. I'll get over it. I know I'm addicted right now, but I still got it. I got it, babe. I got it. I know I can't stop gambling, but I got it. But I got it, God. When will we say, God, we humble ourselves and cry out to God and we hold on to him in the rough waters? Not, and he might not always give us the answers we want, but he gives us what we need. And Jesus' story, Adam's story, is our story. And just as we follow Jesus into the waters of baptism, we follow him into the wilderness. And Jesus went through the wilderness so that he could be with us through ours. That's what those two verses mean. It's beautiful. I'm going to read you one last thing from Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 and 16. Many of you know it. And it says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. Let us then, I love this part, my favorite part, let us then approach the throne of God of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray you just be in this room, Lord God. You have the right people in this place, God. God, some of us, we've gotten soft and we know it. We don't need to tell anyone we got soft. They already know it. We, as a husband, they know you got soft. As a father, your kids already know you got soft with your beliefs and what you do with your life. You can either play it off and pretend and let our pride win, or in these moments, we can step up and be a Christian of one of those who really believe they live differently. Those like the, our past Lord, our, uh, the, the people of our past that have changed the world, that's us. That's who we are. That's the message we hold. But some of you in here, you're in the eye of the storm and you are drowning and you're going through a hardship. You need healing and relationally, emotionally, and you need forgiveness. If you're in this room and you need to get right with God and, and you maybe you've never been a Christian and you've never wanted to step in this realm, but God is speaking to your heart right now and you're saying, you know what, I need to get right with God. If that's you, with all eyes closed, I just want you to raise your hand because as you proclaim your need for Christ, He will, he will, he will, he will tell you about you to the Father. As we tell on Jesus, as we proclaim Jesus, Jesus will proclaim us to the Father, and that's what we need. If that's you and you need a change of life, a change of way, just raise your hand. Who cares who's around you? Thank you, thank you, thank you. All over this place, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And you can put your hands down. I'm going to pray over you. Heavenly Father, I pray for every hand that was raised, and it is a, it is a raise up of saying, God, I need you but it is also a raise up of victory because in our weakness, we are made strong. It is the opposite of what we know. When we submit and we humble ourselves, that is when we are raised up and made strong. And I pray for everyone who raised their hands. I, I pray, Heavenly Father, let your spirit infiltrate their lives that they will join back in on the plans and on the dance that you have for them, that we are one with God in community with God in love with God, and you are leading us, Lord. We thank you for your words in Mark. Let it minister to us, Lord God. But I pray, let it not stay with information. We leave, and we let it transform our lives. We let it work it through. 
in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. God bless you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. God bless you guys. Get to know one another. We have life groups. Out, uh, we have life group launch next week. So we're all meeting at a house at 5 o'clock next week. And so if you want to be part of a life group, uh, get some information. It's going to be on our Facebook, going to be on our website. Uh, but uh, we want you to be in the group. It's really, we call it family. That's what it is. God bless you.